Hello. 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 And welcome to Mobilize. Mobilize is a podcast that puts a spotlight on and is a resource for people, people, friends, communities, communities activists, activists who have decided to stand up, resist, 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 fight back, mobilize. Each day, together, together, we shine a light on the we truth. Shine a light on the we truth. focus on the things that unite us. We pull each other up. We celebrate, we celebrate our, our shared humanity. humanity. Episode 20, Alessandra Biaggi, Doing the Work. I interviewed Alessandra Biaggi in 2018 when she was running for the New York State Senate as one of the challengers to the Independent Democratic Conference, a group of nominally Democratic senators who caucused with Senate Republicans. Now that Biaggi is a state senator for District 34, we wanted to have her back in to talk about what it's like to go from being an insurgent to being a senator in a new Democratic majority and to get her opinion about what the priorities should be for Democrats and progressives now, both in New York and nationally. So the last time we had you here, you were running. You were in the primary. That's right. So I was one of several Democrats that ran against turncoat Democrats, also known as the IDC. I ran against the founding member of the IDC, Jeff Klein. In my election, I was outspent about 11 to 1. He spent roughly $3 million. I spent about $200,000. And when we won, we won by 10 points. And there were 15 new members of the Democratic Conference. Um, That's 18% of the conference being new. That is incredibly wild in terms of numbers. And so many young people and just people with fresh ideas and fresh energy. And so we went to Albany in January, myself and, and my new colleagues. And of course, all the things that we campaigned on from women's reproductive health to the environment to school funding to criminal justice reform. Rent regulations. Rent regulations, which was huge. Almost every single thing that we all campaigned on passed. It was an historic legislative session. And it's not lost, I think, on many people, including, interestingly, the governor who actually said this was the most productive legislative session in modern political history. I thought that was very nice for you to say that. Right. Because we don't often get compliments from him. Well, yeah, especially because he was saying not so nice things about like, don't get out of control. But I really think it is an incredibly challenging dynamic to be in a room full of people who are a lot of them from downstate, some of them from upstate, western, southern. It is very hard because there's different challenges and they represent different constituencies. And so when you come to the table and you're saying, well, this is very important to me. We have to do this. And they're saying to you, great, but if I vote for this in my district, it's over, right? And that took me a long time to come to terms with. And I still feel an incredibly strong sense of independence in terms of what I can say and what I do. But being able to understand my other colleagues, where they're coming from and not you know, make them, quote unquote, bad, right, for not being able to vote for something is a really big deal. And by the end of the session, I think what I learned was how to be on a team Mm -hmm. while also being able to represent my district, which is really that that is a very big challenge. It doesn't sound like it. It's like, well, of course, you're part of this Democratic majority. That's amazing. There's so many differences in this majority. And so to come to a place where you are able to even agree on anything, it takes a lot of work. 
and a lot of patience, which I don't have. So it was very <laughs> hard. It was very hard. Once you get elected, you know, you kind of have to be the adult now. The responsibility is massive. I, I really do feel that way. Like, I grew up significantly, and I still have a huge way to go. But being an adult is about compromise, and it does not feel good. I don't like it very much because the thing that you fight for, you want the whole thing. But if you're fighting for an issue that never could move, getting a piece of it done is better than nothing because now that piece is done. Now you can build on that piece. Do you have one story that sums up some of this? Because some of this is moving from mm -hmm. candidate to yes. senator, right? Yes. Like learning to govern. Um, and then some of it is, like you said, being a part of this larger entity, yes. the party, where you have to work together to make yes. things happen. Is there any particular story? As we move towards the budget, which is in March, it was one of the most illuminating experiences because a lot of what we fought for during the campaigns were put into the budget because of this case in New York State called Silver v. Pataki. And Silver v. Pataki gives any governor the power to put into a budget policy. So it basically gives the governor the ability to legislate. So things that we were fighting for, like campaign finance reform and criminal justice reform and increasing foundation aid for our schools, they were mixed into certain budget bills because there's about eight bills. So you almost couldn't not vote for that bill that had that bad thing in there because the criminal justice reform is coupled with foundation aid. So I was standing in a chamber with so many people who say they care about campaign finance reform and taking money out of politics. And yet here we are with a half solution. We have this commission that we're creating. And one of the terms of the Public Financing Commission is to address fusion voting. Fusion voting, for those who don't know, is a mechanism that allows the Working Families Party to really have power in the state of New York. And there is political retribution for what the Working Families Party did to help to flip the state Senate. And the governor wants this party to be just totally killed. So it's unclear what's even going to happen and not lost on me at all and two of my other colleagues was the fact that two weeks before the end of voting on this budget, we have a governor who had a $25,000 ticket fundraiser with people who came that had all this business before the state. So it compelled me to speak in a way that was so honest. I think that that was the moment where I felt like I fit in my chair, if that makes sense. That was one of the things that you felt that you did the session that was important, getting up and speaking on, on certain topics. Authentically. Because you can stand up and be like, I'm so proud of the sponsor of this bill and I support this and it's going to help my District 34 in the Bronx of Westchester. And then you can really speak about it, right? And you can say like, this bill is good. But here's how it could have been better. Or like, I'm glad to vote for this and I'm going to vote for this now. But let me tell you how next year I'm going to come back and really be very vocal about the fact that most people in New York State don't even know how this budget process works because it's Byzantine and it's opaque and it's not right. Most people will choose not to do that because they don't want to upset the conference. Or they don't want to upset the leader. or They don't want to upset the governor. But there are very important issues that need our voices. And there, if this is not the place to do it, I don't know where the place is to do it. But it's not always seen as a positive thing. So I had my wrist slapped many times this year. Really? And I just took it. Right. But I, and this is with total respect when I say this, which is that I work for the people of my district. Don't work for the people in Albany. Not to say that the people I work with don't do that. I think they're all hard workers. But when you get to the table in a way that a machine has gotten you there, like a political machine in the Bronx or the New York State Democratic Party, you are beholden to an interest that is bigger than you. When you get there as an insurgent and you have had truly the people literally lift you up to bring you there, you are a different type of leader because you don't feel beholden to anybody but them. 
And that is why taking money out of politics is so important. And so you can just see all of the just the realities of what holds people back, even though they know it's the right thing, right? They won't do it. They don't want to bother the person who, you know, fed them, right? It's really painful, actually, to watch it, which and the, is crazy. And I'm assuming some of the people who slapped on, you know, on the wrist were the majority leader, even though I know that you, you hold her in very high regard. <laughs> I do. I hold her in very high regard. She did She did not like, and I think she would be fine with me sharing this, she did not approve of me calling out the governor for his fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. I actually understand, right? We were in the middle of very serious negotiations for very big items that all of us needed in our districts. And so he's a, a difficult individual to negotiate with. And so anything that tips the scale in one or one way or the other creates a challenge that she has to deal with. So I get it. And there are different ways that I could have communicated what I said. But I think the overall message was the right thing. And we can laugh about it now. But at the time, it was not didn't feel fun at all. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> like the rain of hell just came running down on me. And so the knives are out. They're there. They're still there. But that's the that's the nature of this game. If you are fighting for something, someone is going to disagree with you and they're not going to like you for it. And that's just what it is, you know, like and you have to just be willing to take it. Right. Because I came in and I took out someone who was so beneficial to so many powerful interests. Right. Like the real estate industry. He took the most amount of money from many different real estate interests that did not have the best interest of this constituents of District 34 in mind. And having passed this landmark rent reform package, which was one of the most challenging things I went through in terms of the real estate industry and how they pushed back, that would never have happened with my predecessor in this seat. And I was not alone in that. My colleagues like Senator Myrie and Salazar and Ramos, I mean, this is the same situation. And so that really made um, a lot of those people angry. And I think that they're still pretty angry. In fact, I heard a rumor, actually, which is that um, they would like to spend between 2 and $3 million on independent expenditures against us in mailings. And I just think, like, please do that because I would love to stand in the street and be like, here's what you can get for 2 to $3 million. This is how many bills you can pay. This is how many meals you can get for the people in New York State that are starving. Um, this is how many people you can put into school. It's totally outrageous, but it also shows how powerful it was to pass this piece of legislation. So that's, so that's a big conflict now that you are yes. in the Senate yes. and you have to run again yes. in two years and you have these interests that are going to fight against you. Yes. How Still do you raise money? money. I yeah. know. How do you raise money? It's like literally like the question of a lifetime. Well, um, I made a very intentional decision to not have a fundraiser in Albany. This is a common practice amongst my colleagues. And I did not as a chair of ethics, think that it was appropriate with a lot of the people who stand outside that chamber every single day asking us to help with policies and bills, then also inviting them to my fundraiser that they're going to then write a check. And so what we have done is we've gone back to my list that I had before. We're growing the list. And it's a mixture between like call time, fostering new relationships, but it takes a lot of time and energy and it's not easy. And so I've returned money from people that I have vetted and found to be not aligned with what I care about and what I am fighting for. And you don't want to have donor fatigue for the people who've constantly given, but not easy, not easy at all. Yeah. So off of that and what you were saying about, you know, sometimes deviating from the protocol of the caucus, you know, we're seeing the same thing going on at the national level with AOC, Mm -hmm. you know, and our other new congresswomen. So talk about how difficult that is and what do you think needs to happen on the national level to keep this... Unity without losing our soul. I mean, we do have a raft of progressive candidates. This is the hardest 
thing to navigate. We are at a very critical moment, right? This country and this world is in a very dangerous place. I am never going to change who I am. I will evolve, of course, but I'm a progressive. I'm going to fight for those things. There is a bigger picture than me and what progressives want, right? Which is that we need to be one Democratic Party together right now to fight against this evil. We are starting to feel from the federal government down what he is doing in a way that is really starting to scare me because it usually takes longer for the implications of what the federal government does to touch us. This is not normal times. So I think we need one candidate and I think we need one candidate very soon. I'm the last person on earth that would ever tell somebody to sit down and not run. But whoever the Democratic candidate becomes, we have to get behind that person. I mean, there is no choice. We're not going to agree with everything that this person does. It's impossible to agree with everything anybody does. I don't even agree with the things that I do sometimes, and I'm myself. So, like, think about how crazy that is. But what happened in 2016 cannot happen again, where you had the people who voted for Bernie Sanders voting for Trump. So I feel that way about a lot of the races that are being run right now, too. I think that putting our money towards these races is not the best use of our time and money. Now, that is very challenging because, right, at the same time, there are Democrats who are just not good and they should not be there and they should be called out for the things that they're doing because they don't have the interests of the people in mind, right? Anytime that someone calls out a Democrat, if you're a Democrat, it's like, how dare you? You've broken the rule. You've sinned. I think that's crazy. A leader does not stay quiet when something bad is happening period. That's not leadership. That's some other thing that I don't even want to have any part of. But I think that in the bigger picture, this next 18-month period is going to be so critical for us. And if we don't truly like get it together, it's going to be our most vulnerable spot for Trump to run against. And that is like, we just can't afford it because the most important thing to do right now is defeat him. This is not normal times. But so where do you draw the line? Because like every decision is kind of fraught. I'll give you an example. If next year during the budget process, right, there is an option to bring more money back to my district or put money towards something that will protect the state of New York in a much larger way, I would vote for that. And the reason I would vote for that is because we don't know what's going to happen in the 2020 election. And that is a reality. So protecting all of us in this state is more important to me than bringing money for a program. That program won't even matter if the state is in flames. I'll give you one more example of this. Um, and this is not the same thing as what we're talking about, but it's very similar. I had an opportunity this year to pass a comprehensive omnibus bill of sexual harassment legislation and anti-discrimination legislation. And it was a hard thing to do because it's an uncomfortable topic. I collectively held two hearings, 24 hours long. And when it came to the time to like really move this thing forward, it was not really moving. There was a negative thing that happened to me this year that I felt devastated by, and I did not know what to do about it. Instead of thinking about me, how dare this person say this to me and do this to me, I said, okay, that's true. I do feel that way. And I and those things are real. So we're talking about harassment. Harassment. Yep. And I thought, okay, the thing I'm fighting for makes it really hard for something like that to happen again for a lot of people. And so instead of making this a much bigger issue than it has to be, I'm going to use what's happened to me and I'm going to push even harder now to get this whole package of legislation passed that more people in the state of New York could be safer than just me raising my voice and getting mad at someone for saying or doing something to me. So you needed the person who harassed you on your side, basically, when you yes. were 
passing this legislation. Yes. Okay. It's hard. It's that's a crazy thing to even say, but it's the reality. And like I can live with that because there's a greater good to it, but it's so much easier said than done. Like the unity of the Democratic Party and like fight against Trump. Yes, we all agree to it until the to-do list comes out and you start to see what that really means and looks like. I'm telling you, there are, there are type A personalities in this whole field. So much of it is led by ego. It will be a huge challenge to overcome, which is why we need very strong leadership at the top to like hold us all together. So I think I am willing to listen more to the people who've done this, learn from it, so that collectively we are better off versus I'm an insurgent. I know what's best. I'm going to do this thing. So I don't really care what you say or want to think or do because this is more important. And there will be moments where I have to push for the thing I think. But I think that this type of circumstance that we're in right now is much bigger than all of us. There are a lot of people who get excited about being activists and think that being part of the institution is never going to bring the change they want, right? These are people who see you making compromises and say, why are you doing that? You're never going to push for what I want. Politics is terrible, blah, blah, blah. What do you say to keep them excited about this process? The first thing is that unless you're in it, you can't change it. That is a real fact. You have to be inside and seeing how the whole process works and is done so that you can start to identify where you can pull the levers of change. Number two, because I am 33 years old, I am a millennial, right? Millennials and Gen Z are going to be very soon the largest voting bloc in the history of the United States of America. Think about that. That is insanely powerful. I think that some of us, even in these positions, I feel overwhelmed by what's happening in our world. For anybody who feels hopeless or helpless, you better vote. If you stay home, you are a part of the problem sincerely because there are so many of us. All the people right now in power that we really do not like and disagree with, we can overpower them because there are more of us. And if we have seen anything, it is that people are more powerful than money and special interests. And so you've got to vote and you've got to use your voice. You have to. You just have to do it. And it's not just voting, right? You have to. It's not just voting. Holding your electeds accountable. Knowing that you can even call them and say, why did you vote this way? Or, I want you to care about this thing, right? It's also your workplace, your school, on the street. Somebody throws garbage on the floor. Ask them to pick it up and put it into the trash can. If somebody says something to somebody in the classroom that you're in, say that that's not kind. If somebody's racist, say that is a racist comment. That is not how we talk to each other. Using your voice to call out this behavior and identify it, it sends a massive ripple, right? And if we have these social norms and these social contracts that we all agree with each other on, it will change the dynamics of our entire world. It's the smallest, littlest crumb of a thing that will do that. And that is why it's so overwhelming because there are so many crumbs that are needed to like literally build a mountain, but you gotta do it. Like you just have to, we have to do this. 